I'm Tim Jordan. I am an e-commerce seller. I am a podcast host. I am a fintech company executive of all things. I met Pablo completely random. We ran into each other uh, at, a, at a club in Nashville of all things and we hit it off. One thing that I love about Pablo and the reason you should connect with Pablo is because Pablo is a super genuine guy. He's generous with his time. He loves connecting people with other people. And those are the kind of people that you need to surround yourself with to further yourself as a person or as a business owner. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I learn from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks. Find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you want to do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, Hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Welcome back to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, your host and Chief Executive Connector. And today's guest may just be the world's most interesting man. He's got an infinite number of fingers and an infinite amount of pies, ranging from a brand of whiskey glasses to international buying trips for online sellers to a healthy public speaking schedule to running marketing for up and coming startups and has recently taken over one of the biggest podcasts in the e-commerce space, the AM PM podcast. He's also a super likable guy that I connected with immediately <laughs> thanks to his warm smile, soft eyes and irresistible <laughs> Ashuk's southern charm. And he's the leader of the private label legion. Welcome, Tim Jordan. What's up, buddy? Well, thank you. That was quite the intro. That's uh, that's one of the better intros. Of, actually, I would say that's the best intro I've ever had. That was uh, that was solid. I feel like you've been rehearsing that for a while. I literally just wrote it, but I can't. I can't be calling myself nice. a world class hype man if I can't give the best in- intros in the game, right? That's true. That's very true. Yeah, man. So listen. Thanks for joining us, my friend. It's, you know, spoiler alert, you and I haven't spoken in a while, so this is going to be a great, like, catching up episode. And um, I start all my podcasts, right? Like, I have this thesis that the quickest way to, to create a connection with someone is to add value to someone's life which you're going to do with all the questions I'm going to ask you about all the stuff that you're a genius about. Um, but also when you share a vulnerability with someone, it, it allows people to feel understood. They feel like they understand you. So I like to all, ask all my guests, what are you struggling with these days? What's, what's the hardest part of being Tim Jordan right now? Man, I'm struggling with that intro you just gave me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really am. I was, um, I'll tell you this morning, this morning I was on a phone call with, uh, with a guy and I kind of got fired and promoted at the same time. So right now I'm working, among other things, I'm doing a lot of stuff. 
I'm also working for Sellers Funding, which is a lending company specifically for e-commerce sellers. It's in the fintech space. It's a it's a um, like tech solution. It's awesome. And yeah, I worked for them as a consultant for a while, you know, with some other people in the space. And they about a month ago asked me to be their CMO. And I thought, well, that's cool. Like, I guess I could be their CMO. I know a little bit about marketing. Like, we can make this work. And today, they kind of took that role away from me. And instead, they have decided they're going to give me the role of CGO, which is Chief Growth Officer. And it's a pretty interesting role. It's kind of, it's not one that people see a lot. But the objective is to act as the liaison between marketing, product development, business development, partnerships, and that's what I'm really good at. Like I can look at products and say, no, 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 this, this product's wrong. This is what people want. Like this is what people need. And well, that's not how we market this. We need to market this. So basically I, I kind of have my fingers in all of these things. And as he's telling me that, I'm thinking to myself, well, crap, this is actually a really cool position. Like I don't have to manage the marketing team. I just get to like have the fun. Like I get to like be involved, like on a very high level, you know, this like, you know, multinational company. And I don't have to like, and I started feeling guilty because I thought, wow, I'm going to screw this up. Like, I'm not the guy for this. Like, just a few years ago, I was working as a firefighter, had a failed construction company. Um, you know, yeah, I've done e-commerce, but I still think like, oh, that, that run's going to end any time now. Like, I'm just, like, I've BSed my way through this. Like, I am not the guy that deserves to have this amazing opportunity. Like, yesterday, uh, as we're recording this, yesterday, we dropped the first episode of the AMPM podcast, which I can talk about. And like I still look at my social media. I woke up today this morning and had like over 300 Facebook notifications. All these people liking, sharing, commenting, people private messaging me that I know that I don't know. Like, wow, you deserve this thing. And the whole time I'm thinking, no, I, like, I don't deserve this. Like, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Like, I barely even passed high school. Like, you know, because I was lazy. You know, I always passed my test, but I never did my homework, you know. And um, I ended up with like a really high ACT score, but like, you know, halfway into my sophomore year of college, like I was on the path for academic suspension because my grades sucked and I was, you know, failing classes because I hated school. And like every day I wake up and, and like, I hear your intro and I think, crap, like, have I fooled everybody? Like, does everybody see this, this, this like fake Tim? Because I don't deserve all this stuff. Like I'm not the guy that people should be listening to. And that's like one of my biggest insecurities is like faith in myself. Now I've gone down some pretty dark roads. I would say even recently in the past 12 months and had to figure out a lot about the way my brain works, which in turn has taught me about the way other entrepreneurs brain works. And turns out I'm not alone. Like this is kind of a common thing, but that's one of my biggest insecurities. Like every time I reach a milestone or every time something cool happens, I think, well, this isn't going to last because they're going to figure out that I'm just a normal guy and I don't deserve this stuff, you know? Sorry, that was a really long answer, probably longer than you wanted, but. Man, I think you, um, you nailed it for me, right? Like to me, this is a, a perfect shining example of, of why I think this works for bonding people. Cause you literally just, outside of all the like really cool stuff that you're doing, you, you, you described exactly how I have felt my whole life, right? Like the, um, the person that everybody outside of me has this like higher opinion than I think that I really deserve. Cause I was lazy in high school, but crushed my SATs and barely graduated college just because I knew I had to. And I keep feel like I keep falling upwards. And with every new opportunity I get, I'm just like, when's the bottom going to fall out? Right? Like 
I think it's become a common a common term, imposter syndrome. But that it's something that I I, I at one point dated a, a, a PhD and in psychology, and this was like eight years ago. And when I was describing it, she's like, "You have something that's called imposter syndrome. It's a it's a psychological thing that people struggle with all the time." And I think in the world of entrepreneurship, I mean, you know, right? Like you you touch all of it. You 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 see this across the board, and it's really more common than people think. And to me, the only way that you can accept it is by getting to know that, right? Like talking to people that are as bright and talented as you um, and, and seeing that it affects other people. And then, and then maybe asking yourself the question, really, should I feel this way? Or, you know, is, is this just something going on in my brain, man? T- tell me how you, you said you've been like studying your brain. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't come from a really classically educated business background. Like I'm just figuring this out. And because I'm super ambitious and even though I'm a little insecure about myself, like I have a whole lot of confidence in projects and I take stuff on and I I get way in over my head and I've done a lot. And like, I've got some great stories. I've got some horror stories, all that. But last year I, I, I had way too much on my plate and I was actually like paying myself less than I've ever been paid before, you know, so bringing home less than I've ever, than I've made in like 10 years. Um, I had left my job that I had spent 10 years as a full-time firefighter. So I was actually like helping start businesses like in Africa. I started my own business in Shanghai, China. I had like at one point, like 50 employees, all the side hustles. While I was working as a full-time firefighter. About two years ago, I said I had to stop this. So I stopped. So my paycheck's gone, and like I'm reinvesting money into businesses and um, taking on all these business partners. And at one point last year, I got to the point where I was just like miserable, and I wasn't sleeping. I was going through these these periods where like I would I I just could not sleep, and I was just on my phone all the time trying to catch up. And like every morning, I'd wake up with this dread, like I don't know what I'm going to do today, and I'm going to get caught up. Like, and I remember at one point, like middle of last year. I, uh, I walk into my bedroom. It's like 10 o'clock at night. My wife's getting ready to go to bed. And I literally just like was just so exa- exhausted. I just dropped to my knees beside the bed. I just put my forehead on the mattress. And I remember like tears just running out of my eyes. And I'm I, like, I, I looked up at her. I'm like, I'm going to screw this up. And she's like, what are you going to screw up? I'm like everything. Like I have employees counting on me. I have business partners counting on me. I have um, like peers counting on me, like that, that follow me. I have like an audience of people that are waiting for me, like to have be this big success and instead of this big failure. Like I can't do this. And it's about that time I went through a period where I didn't sleep for seven nights. Seven nights. I would lay in bed, try to sleep, and I'd force my eyes closed. And my like my heart was just racing and my head would not stop spinning. And like I could not sleep and I would just toss and turn and like I was sweaty and and finally my wife's a nurse. Finally, after like several nights, like I, I would toss her so much I'd go out to the couch and try to sleep. She wouldn't even know it. And she just saw me like degrading and she's like, What is wrong with you? I'm like, I can't sleep. She's like, You need to go to see the doctor. I'm like, why don't I go see the doctor? She's like, You need to go see the doctor. So I go to the doctor, I walked through all this, he just smiled at me. He's like, Tim, this is like classic clinical anxiety. And I'm like, anxiety? Like, not me. Like, I'm the guy. Like, no. I mean, just a few years ago, like, I was the guy that thought depression was fake. Like, oh, if you're depressed, just choose to be happy, you know? And, and uh, you know, my wife actually, you know, went through a lot of that stuff through pregnancy. And, like, I, I started learning about it and realizing that this is more common than people like to admit because it's kind of taboo to talk about, but it's real. Like, this is you know, there's two ways that it's created. It's, it's either chemically or it's situational and situational leads to chemical, you know, and it's, it's, it's a real thing. It's a disease. And I was like, anxiety. I'm like, 
well, how would that happen? And he's like, what's going on in life? And I just started unloading. He's like, well, no crap, Tim. He's like, you, this is what happens. Like you stress yourselves out so much that it literally alters the chemicals in your brain. Like you are like clinically anxious. <laughs> well, crap. So I ended up like going on meds and I was super embarrassed about it. The stuff would make me sleep like a log, but all day I was groggy and I couldn't get out of my funk. And later found that I was also suffering with like some clinical depression and like it was bad. And I've always been like the tough guy. Like I'll take Advil if I have a headache, but like, you know, that kind of stuff, this like, this, this is like the weak stuff, like, you know, mental illness. That's not me. And I really went on this journey, like, all right, I, I understand that this is not something to be super embarrassed about. Other people struggle with this, but why me? And what do I do about it? So I went on this journey to educate myself and I found out something crazy. It's that entrepreneurs are like 30 times more like 30 times more likely than the general population to at some point in their life suffer from some sort of mental issue with this depression and anxiety. And like that that hit me and I'm like, oh my gosh, why? Like I get it and but I don't get it. Like I, I want to understand why. So I started doing more and more researching and, and reading, you know, from all these smart people. And what we found out was that and when I say this, it's gonna make so much sense for those of you listening who are entrepreneurs found out that entrepreneurs, they connect their personal success with their business success. Like we tie them in together. They're the same thing. And it's a horrible fallacy, but we do it. So if I'm working at like a nine to five job, you know, Boeing's a big employer where I live. If I'm working at Boeing and I'm sitting in a cubicle all day and I'm working and they lose a contract and they have to make a bunch of layoffs. If I get laid off, does that suck? Yes. Am I disappointed? Yes. So I get on a employment and look for another job? Yes, but it's Boeing's fault. Now, if my business and my, you know, I've attached my face, my reputation, I've got employees, I've got people coming. If my business fails, then I failed. Then it's on me. Then I'm a failure. Then I'm the one that's weak. Then I'm the one that's caused the problem. Then I'm the one to let everybody else down. I can't blame anybody else. It's all on me. Now, here's the thing. I know logically that I'm separate from my business, but emotionally, that's not the case. Emotionally, like I pour my heart and soul on my business. Everything's tied onto it, right? So because we do this, it, it provides an incredible strength for us because we, we put our emotional like tenacity and like we put our heart and soul behind our business, which is why small businesses grow to become large businesses. That's like why businesses succeed. But the danger, the flip side, like the yang to the yin on that is that if it doesn't go well, if things get hard, like we can't separate ourselves. We can't clock. My wife's a nurse. She's actually an oncology nurse. It's terrible, like huge mortality rate with her patients. But when she clocks out, she's done. She comes home, she gets separated. She gets, her phone doesn't ring. She's, she's playing with the kids. She's wondering why I'm like curled up in the fetal position on the floor in a corner, you know, like stressed out looking at my WeChat, you know, because something disastrous has happened, you know, overseas. Um, It's just the way we are. So uh, it's, it's interesting to me as I've learned like that, that that's so normal. It doesn't make it any easier. Right. But that was, that was a tough time the past year because I, I went through that really tough time in business and I had to do a lot of soul searching to figure out like how to get over that and how to move on. Thanks for sharing that, man. I, um, it's super valuable to hear a guy like you that is doing all these things at a really, really high level and feel like, man, that guy puts his pants on the same way I do. That guy learned about depression from his wife the same way I did. That guy has the same fears and the same worries and the same anxieties 
as I do. So I think that that, I think everything that you just shared, not only do I relate to it one-to-one, but I, I, I just find it very, very valuable to put out there to the world. And it's something that guys don't tend to do, right? Like women seem to be better about relating yep. with other women about this stuff, sharing that stuff, man. And I, and I think it's a, I think it's a brave thing to do quite frankly, man, and, and, and super valuable. So I, I want to acknowledge that, that you just spoke about that and, and the value that, 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 that brings to our friend that's listening right now. Well, that you. being said, you have also touched on a little bit of something that I really want to talk to you about, which is e-commerce. And I, you know, it sounds kind of, it sounds crazy, but two years ago, two and a half years ago, I didn't know what a, you know, I had no concept of the opportunity that is out there for everybody to, to start a business, make money, create audiences, you know, all, all the stuff that now seems so normal and you seem to be a guy that's really just dove into it from being a fireman to, to having all these different tentacles in that world. Can you kind of give me your, your realization story of, you know, when you started fiddling with it and when you decided to, 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 to really think that this is something that could change your life and everybody else's life? Well, honestly, I'll admit that I fell into it by accident. It wasn't like a calculated decision. It just kind of happened. I was actually working as a procurement agent for a government contractor, of all things, and I was uh, selling oil filters to diesel generators in Afghanistan. Crazy. And I just noticed that things would sell on Amazon for 30 bucks that I could buy for three bucks. And I thought there's got to be a way to sell here. I thought at first I had to sell on eBay. So I hired a guy off Craigslist, believe it or not, to teach me how to sell on eBay. The guy walks in, he's like, no, you need to sell on Amazon. And things went crazy from there. I started my own sourcing and shipping company out of China, at 3PO warehouses. I was launching and, and selling multiple brands. I've made some exits, done some cool stuff. But, but I, I think that the realization came when I realized that there are no borders. All right? There are no borders. So if you think about commerce, all right, selling things over the past two, 3,000 years, it's basically been predicated to uh, a block, a city, a village. You know, of course, there were some trading routes that opened up. But, but I mean, think back like for, for almost the entire history of humans, except for the past 15 years, you had to sell locally. And there was great startup costs. I had to buy inventory. I had to have um, an audience there locally. I had to have a storefront or a cart or, or something. And there's always a ceiling on that. But in the past 20 years, those walls have fallen down and the geographical lines have disappeared. I was, uh, years ago, I I got a a chance to go down and meet this incredible entrepreneur down in Guatemala, right? And he started this academy called Life of Meaning. And the the objective of this was to take basically young, you know, zealous, aspiring entrepreneurs that really didn't have any resources in a third world country, you know, Central America and and give them the opportunity and the training to start their own businesses and then use document everything and take all of that content and give it out for free to Latin America, essentially. And tens of thousands of people have followed that training and started business. And that's when I realized like anybody with a cell phone or a laptop computer anywhere can sell anything to anybody anywhere. Like this whole idea of a laptop lifestyle and, you know, the digital nomad, like that sounds cool. And it makes you think of like, you know, 
like these millennial hipsters sitting on a beach in, you know, Phuket, Thailand, you know, selling something. But what I'm seeing right now is people like sitting in third world countries and they're sitting in like Rwanda and Nigeria and they're drop shipping and they're affiliate selling or they're doing, you know, email marketing and they're doing like all these crazy digital entrepreneurial things that doesn't matter where they are. Now, sure, some things are hard. You have to have good internet and you have to be able to buy a cell phone sometimes, you know, especially the e-commerce into my inventory. But I realized that like the world has changed and nobody's noticed it. Like, it. like this giant change is just going under the radar and nobody is standing up and screaming, holy crap, the world just changed. And it has. Right now we're in the middle of COVID and gosh, it's heartbreaking. Like businesses that have been around for a century are like shutting stores and they won't recover. Like I'm watching local restaurants and, and, and brick and mortar stores and hair salons and all these places that like people have spent five, 10, 15, 20 years, their heart and soul pouring into this and like working 60 hour, 80 hour weeks trying to get these going, like shut the doors and they'll never open again. Like, and it makes me want to cry. But the truth is the industry that right now is going through the freaking roof is technology and e-commerce. Right. So right now I'm, I'm the acting CGO of, of sellers funding, which does lending to e-commerce businesses. And what's different about sellers funding is they use marketplace sales data to generate a credit offer. Right. So they're not using like historical credit reports and they just like look at your Amazon sales and say, here's a lump. So with those API access, we get a lot of data and a lot of analytics. <coughs> and what's crazy is looking at the data and analytics is like in, you know, the beginning of March, middle of March in the US when everybody's sales and the economy was tanking, like e-commerce was going like this. It's going crazy. And it's not just a fluke. My father-in-law is this old grouchy curmudgeon that doesn't like me, right? And he's old school and he likes to fix his own cars and he's just a crank. But, you know, he would he, he wanted to go down to the parts store and buy some headlights for, for his wife's car and the parts stores were closed. It's like, crap. So he, he, he told me, he's like, it's crazy. I pulled up my iPad and I started looking around. I found this these headlights on eBay. There was like $6 a piece shipped and they arrived in three days. It's like, if I went to the parts store, those would be $9. I'm like, yeah, Jack, welcome to e-commerce. And what I realized was he will never go back to the way that he was. Even when that parts store opens, he has found it. Like he's gone, oh, like he's been re-educated. Wow, it's easy. It ships straight to my house. It was cheaper. I have a bigger selection. So people that have never used things like shipped, all right, shipped is, is an app where you can buy from local grocery stores and somebody goes and buys it and delivers it to you. Like everybody's going to shipped. It's a, it's an e-commerce platform essentially, or it's, a, it's like a, a like a hybrid, a um, uh, uh, like a morphed you know hybrid platform, and and people are educated now of the power of e-commerce. And it's never going to be the same. So e-commerce was already breaking down barriers, and now because of this global pandemic, which is heartbreaking, like it's never going to be the same. And e-commerce is like the best place in the world to be right now, and it's really cool that I was lucky enough to find it by accident. Yeah, man, I. You hit on a lot of points there that that really drive home stuff that I've been talking about a lot. One is coronavirus has really, you know, disrupted things, but it's really just accelerated some trends that were already coming and it just really, really ramped it up. And e-commerce is front and center. And you you don't have to look any further than than my Shopify stock <laughs> over the last couple of months, right? Yep. And that was a that was a really big aha moment for me. When I was looking around, you know, I, I got into e-commerce because I got 
recruited to head up, be the VP of business development for a software for Amazon sellers. And when I started looking around, I'm thinking, man, all these people are making money on this thing. Like how is, I had your same exact reaction. It's like, how is nobody screaming from the hilltops about this? This is insane. What can I invest in that, that empowers these people? And a little investment in Shopify has gone a really, really, really long way for me. Um, and I, I want to pick your brain a little bit about it, right? So I know you introduced me to those sellers funding guys, brilliant guys. I love what they're solving in the in the in the business environment because I think that e-commerce sellers, the one thing that's missing is that financing piece, right? The the, the lending institutions, the financial institutions have not caught up with that business model, right? The same way that I don't think corporate America has caught up with the online business model, period. You're right. Right. You're like right. that's the other trend I'm seeing, right? It's like I'm I'm making content for people, right? Like I'm I am I am specializing in how you create relationships online at scale for a customer base. And I have never been busier because people all of a sudden are just like, oh my God, this is really happening. And Facebook isn't just for my for my for my 22-year-old kid or whatever, right? Exactly. Um I wanna I wanna start a little bit just to make it more accessible, because this isn't a an e-commerce focused podcast, right? But what is the what is the starting point for somebody if they're just like well, I, Speaking above me, but I'm interested. What is, what is a good starting point for someone to just kind of start getting educated on what the opportunity is of starting a side hustle or a real business? And what is the top end potential of like that kind of business? Can you give a little bit of rundown for that? And then I want to talk a little bit higher level. Uh, you mean, so are you asking for a starting point? Or are you asking like, like on educating or actually getting started selling on e-commerce? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk, let's talk about this. Um, yeah. One of the biggest struggles in selling anything right now is audience, right? Mm-hmm. I can go and I can I can build the the most beautiful brick and mortar store in the world, but unless I have people walking through the doors, I'm not going to sell anything. I can have the greatest product in the world, but unless I have an audience looking at it, people are never going to know it's there to buy it. Um, real big chain here in the U.S., Dick Sporting Goods. All right, huge sporting goods uh, brand. And I remember back in the day, what they did, which was which really put them on the map, is they started setting up these experiential like trade, like, like testing, like testing things. Right. So if you went to the golf section, they had a putting green with golf balls on it. You could pick up any of the putters you could put with them. You could go to the baseball section. They had a batting cage where they had like a, a fast pitch thing. You test out bats, basketball, they had a basketball court. And, and what they realized, like if we just get people through the doors, like they'll buy stuff and they started putting other sporting goods companies out of business. So audience, 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 and e-commerce doesn't change that. Like you still have to have an audience. <clears throat> so there are people out there with incredible products and they'll set up an incredible website, but unless they're driving traffic to it, it doesn't matter. So I think the thing that, that's changed the game the most in e-commerce is a marketplace. All right. So marketplace, we're talking about the first one, real big one is eBay. Then we've got Amazon, which of course taking over the world. We've got all the, like the Chinese marketplaces, your, your JD, your um, Taobao, your Alibaba. You've got Shopify, which is not a marketplace. They try to be, and I'll talk about that in a second, but marketplaces. So if you're just starting, start the marketplace. Why? Because the infrastructure is there, the logistics are there and the audience is there. So even before pandemic, I haven't seen updated numbers in the, in the U.S., you're getting like 270 million users on Amazon. They're just coming to look for stuff. So if you could figure out the algorithm and hack it and get the keyword ranking and the optimization and PPC, you're great. But but it's there. So I could take that same product and launch it on Amazon. I'm mean, sorry, on Shopify and nobody knows it's there because you have to drive your own traffic. So I tell people all the time, like to get started on e-commerce, you have to have a product. That's for one thing, but that's actually not the shortest. Like a lot of people have products, but to actually sell it, you have to get a marketplace. I was at a event in Chicago, a big conference. 
And I sat down at this random lunch table with this guy, and I just struck up a conversation with him. He ends up being the vice president of Mars Corporation that's in charge of pet products. Now, I didn't realize, you know, Mars is like that bazillion dollar company. I didn't realize how much they own, but they own some of the like most recognizable brands in like pet food, right? And he's talking to me and I'm talking about Amazon. I'm talking about e-commerce and he offers me a job. And I'm like, oh, and then he told me who he was. He handed me his business card, like vice president of, um, you know, pet for Mars. And, and I told him, well, I'm not really looking for a job, but he said, look, find me somebody like find me a, a, a high school dropout. I don't care if they have a degree, a college degree, whatever, but I need someone to help me figure out like e-commerce, because we're getting smoked. Like you said, you know, you mentioned it before, like these big companies, they're not pivoting. They're not reacting fast enough. They don't understand the power of e-commerce. And he said, we need to set up this and this. And I said, no, no, you don't. I said, are you selling your stuff on Amazon? He said, no. I said, I bet you are. And I pulled up Amazon. I looked up all their top sellers and they're selling like crazy through retail arbitragers. People are literally going to Walmart, buying 50 pounds of dog food and shipping it from their garages, right? He's like, well, how can they do this? I'm like, well, it's, they're selling a legitimate product at school. He said, well, how are they doing it well? I said, because it's a freaking marketplace. People are there already. So I did a little consulting for him, got him on the right track. And uh, they, they took over their own listings, took over their sales, they're crushing it. So it doesn't matter if you're small or large. To get started in e-commerce, you have to have an audience. And I tell people all the time, start with a marketplace. So I have a coaching group called the Centurion League. Um, I have a, a free online community called the Private Label Legion. Private label is like the concept of your own private brands, not just reselling stuff. And, and I tell people like, the, the workflow, the, the, the path, the journey is, you, know, you have to have a product, find a product, start selling it on a marketplace, then start moving off of, off of the marketplace and sell your own. The, the, the only problem with the marketplace is it's not yours, right? Those customers aren't yours. It's an Amazon, I'm an Amazon customer. Even if they buy a product, I can't pixel them. I can't get their email. I can't retra- retarget them, none of that stuff. So once you get some sales going to cash flow, then start investing in building your own audience off of Amazon, uh, Shopify, Magento, you know, whatever it is. Um, but start with a marketplace for sure. I love it, man. I, when I was making these, so I, I was selling two, reta- two online arbitragers, right? And, and, and my, my initial presentation would compare the numbers that visit Amazon every day to the numbers that visit Times Square every year. And it's like in one day, you get the amount of people that go to Times Square every year, go, go to Amazon. It was something like that, right? And it's just like, if you think about like the rent that it I'm, takes- I'm stealing that analogy, by the way. I'm making Dude, it's out. great. It's great. I'll send you my old presentation. I don't know if I've erased it or not, but I'd be happy to send that to you. But it's a great analogy because you look at the square foot price of like a little kiosk in Times Square to sell, to sell tchotchkes. And it's like $80,000 a month where on Amazon, you get- the same amount of people rolling through your doors. You think of it as a big giant shopping mall and, and you get to have a kiosk in there for like, what is it? 40 bucks a month or something like that. Yeah. 20 bucks a yep. month yep. In, in, instead of like $80,000 a month rent on Times Square to sell keychains. And it's the same concept, man. You just have that, you have that captive audience that's there, that's there looking to buy. So I think you answered that really well. If, if people are curious about that, I totally recommend that private label Legion Facebook group. Just start getting used to it. I imagine is your AM PM podcast also related to education about selling online as well? 
Well, it's it's more related to entrepreneurism in general for e-commerce sellers, right? And and I could tell you the history of AMPM. It's crazy how I'm even sitting here in the studio of AMPM podcast. That's a crazy story about connections and community and relationships. But um, yeah, check out AMPM podcast, which is more about like the business journey and entrepreneurism. But Private Label Legion, the Facebook group, is more specifically dedicated to like actually selling on marketplaces uh, with your own products. Cool. And is that a so I see, at first when I got into it, it was like just a ground up person that wanted to start their own business, quit their job, whatever. But now as I get further into it, I realize there's all this arbitrage to be done between corporate America and the average Amazon online seller guy, right? Like there's so much space that I think anybody that is trying to make a name for themselves in their company and trying to, you know, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You can be an intrapreneur, right? Like you can, you can be the guy that goes to that VP at Mars and it's just like, Hey man, have you started fiddling with Amazon yet? Yep. Because if you haven't, you're a sucker, <laughs> right? Yep. And, le- and, and let me take this charge, right? So I, I just want to, I want to encourage that. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but I do want to ask you, what do you think to, to add value to that, to our friend that's listening right now that is thinking, well, okay, I should go talk to my boss about it. What do you think is the pain point that corporate America is getting wrong? Like, what are the? Th- what do you think? How do you think that they're perceiving this e-commerce opportunity, and how are they getting it wrong? So that someone can go talk to their boss and be like, "Hey, you're probably thinking about this, but it's like this." So, it's it's not their fault. All right, it, it's not their fault, but corporate America doesn't understand it because they're too slow and they've got too much historical data, right? So that's what I mean. It's not their fault. Like, I'll give you an example. I was working as a consultant for uh, another fintech company, right? And this fintech company had done exceptionally well in China, right? They're a multinational company, but their biggest growth is in China. And they were trying to build more of a presence and more of an audience base in the US. And I came in and I said, look, you're doing it all wrong. Like your marketing, your branding, your messaging, and your product is all wrong. And I remember sitting in a meeting with some sales uh some sales executives and I was supposed to be training them on like the brain of the e-commerce seller. And I said, Hey, our, our, our like main bread and butter, like flagship product, don't sell this cause you can't sell it. Like don't sell this, sell this thing that nobody's talking about. Cause people want this. And in the meeting I had like a business development manager that had worked, you know, in China, she was Chinese. She, I mean, she got pissed. She was furious at me. She went back and called up like the CBO of the company and was like bad mouthing me. And she was like, Tim is just wrecking everything we're doing. And it all got passed back down to me. And I was like, listen, like I can tell you the truth or I can tell you what you want to hear. You know, I, I hope you want to hear the truth. They said, well, how can you say this doesn't work? I said, why do you say it does work? And they said, because it's worked for so long to so many people. I said, yes, in China. Like it's worked in China. It doesn't work to this audience base here. And, and for them, it's confusing because they, they have the data, like the metrics show this works, this works. They want this product. This makes money. This marketing message works. So because they have so much data, it's hard to tell them that they're wrong. Same thing with corporate America right now that's selling products. They have the data. They have the history. They know it works. They know that getting on Walmart shelves works. They know that this type of branding, this type of messaging works. They know that ad spots on TV work, that you know, running radio commercials on NPR works. So when someone comes to them and say, hey, we need to be running ads on TikTok. TikTok now has like an integrated e-commerce platform. They're going to go, why? Like, this is weird. This is for 16-year-olds. And you're trying to tell them, no, it's like older people are coming on and like, it's getting good, it's getting good. And they're like, but look at the data. We have this type of ROI year over year on 
NPR radio ads and XM satellite Fox News ads and TV spots and infomercials. Like, this is working. So it's very tough to come and say, you know, we need to change things. And that's one advantage to, you know, small entrepreneurs, small businesses. They're flexible. Like, they can turn on a dime. They can adjust. They're very nimble, especially times like COVID. You know, they, they make these quick reactions. Now, the smart large businesses will change. They're just going to be slow. You know, think about this giant, like growing behemoth of a corporation as like a giant ship. Like they're going to turn very slowly. And when they do like get turned in the right direction, it's going to be scary. But the little, like the little boats, the little guys like me and my little aluminum John boat with a 25 horse Johnson, you you turn really, really fast. So it's hard for me to come to that ship captain and say, hey, follow my little boat over here because it's working. And they're like, but look at this giant ship making waves. It's doing awesome, right? So it's tough. It's not, it's not ignorance. It's not, um, it's not just like blatant, malicious stubbornness, right? It's because the data proves that this other thing worked and nobody's catching up and nobody's turning their boat fast enough. So it's a problem. I don't know how to solve it, but I think that the more that we educate people and the more people stand up and use their gut instinct and go to these guys like the Mars VP and say, hey, you're doing it wrong. Just listen to me and have a few case studies and prove it. It's, it's powerful stuff. And there is a huge need to connect the new digital marketing, you know, affiliate running, you know, marketplace selling skills with corporate America and corporate America is dying for that right now. So anybody that wants to learn this thing, you don't even have to go out and, and create your own product. Just figure out how to make it work and bring these big companies with you and they'll pay you a lot of freaking money to do it. Totally, totally. I, um, I just recently started working with uh, like a $450 million real estate investing fund. <laughs> it's just, you know, bringing their, bringing their audience online to, to, to interact is just one part of it, right? But like there's, there's, so, many, there's so many pieces to, to connect, man, from like, you know, you do it at a high level, the Facebook group stuff and, 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 and using content to nurture relationships. And I want to, I want to go down that path, right? Cause we, we connected based on our love for human connection. Do you remember, do you remember how we met? I, I remember where we were standing. We were at a funnel hacking live, big digital marketing conference in Nashville. And I had on a whim went to this digital marketing after party in like Nashville is country music. Right. But we went to like this EDM thing and I remember walking upstairs like a private event and walked upstairs on this balcony and there was another, I don't remember if you remember who, I don't know if you remember who it was, I don't want his name, but there's like a big um, like marketing influencer there and everybody's kind of like trying to talk to him and I'm like, eh, I don't really care. And you're just happening to be standing next to me. We just started talking and it was like, we got to talking about like, I think the business I owned in Guatemala or something like we got talking about something random. We just talked for like an hour. That was it. We just connected. So just completely random, just had to get out of my space and go to this random event. And you know, you meet cool people. Yeah, totally, man. I was five minutes before that I was downstairs. We were like up in this like VIP section. Yeah, and, I, right. and I was talking to somebody and some guy heard me say mastermind because I used to run a mastermind and I was talking to this like mastermind company about running some of their programs. And he's like, oh, I'm looking at a business developer masterminds. Come up with me to the VIP section. And that guy got up there and he got distracted by the influencer also. And I turn around and I see you. I'm like, what's up, man? Yep, that <laughs> and, was it. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Um, do you, I try to break down kind of what worked and what didn't work when I connect with people on this podcast, right? Like, do you, do you remember what it was that made you want to continue the relationship with me, right? Like you, you, you were, you were a guy there that was supremely connected, right? Like you, you were there, you were in your sauce. You immediately invited me out. You had me on your podcast. You were the first podcast that I, that I got on. 
Um, and that really changed the game for me, man. What, what made you, you know, do you, do you kind of remember what, what about it made you be like, all right, I want, I, I want to go a little further with this guy. I honestly don't. And I think that that's, I think that's the magic sauce is nothing is that strategic. Like I'm not asking people like, well, how big is your audience? Because, you know, I want to know how big your audience are or what, what are your credentials? What's your pedigree before we get in really like, I just go gut instinct on everything. Now, has that screwed me in the past? Holy crap. It has like, I've, I've had some boneheaded relationships. I brought people in close into my inner circle that like just scared me. Like, um, <laughs> like I actually had a guy like become a, um, kind of a squatter in my warehouse. He was living in an RV in the parking lot and like assaulted one of my employees while I was at a conference. And we, like, it was awful. But more than that, like I've had these good relationships and, and I just go gut instinct. If I just, if I just vibe with someone or if I think that I can provide value to them, that's what we do. So I try to give more than I take. And I usually end up getting more than I received. Um, or getting more than I, than I gave. Uh, so I don't even remember one thing. I just remember, I remember you just reaching out, which is tough. Like reaching out to a stranger is tough because, because whether you're an extrovert or introvert, it's never easy. I just remember thinking, Hey, this guy just struck up a conversation with me and I got his business car and like, let's connect. So I think that's all it was. Is I just remember, Hey, this guy took a little bit of an effort to reach out and he wasn't worried about the superstar over here that I don't know if you followed him later. He ended up being nutty as a squirrel turd. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you ever follow no. that. You go back and check his stuff, man. He went off the rails. Um, but, you know, just talk to everybody. What I've noticed is, you know, like that millionaire, you know, next door thing works. You know, like there's always someone successful that's that's lurking behind the shadows and you can learn something from anybody. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. Uh, it doesn't matter how experienced, inexperienced you are. I've got a, a coach or a, like a group coaching community for e-commerce sellers. And we do two Zoom calls live every week. And people always ask me like, well, these high level sellers, low level sellers. I'm like, it's everybody. We have people that have not even launched their first product that are providing just as much value as people that have eight figure businesses, because it's not just about how much you sell. It's about like your pers- perspective on life, that the the lessons that you can give, like the, the creativity that you can lend, you know? So it doesn't matter if it's a big guy or a small guy, like you can learn something from everybody. And if you're not mixing in with everybody, you're going to miss out on those really, really awesome opportunities. Dude, it's been too long since I talked to you, man. Like we're just totally like soulmates, man. Like, yeah, you just, that, that's the whole, that's the whole premise of this podcast is the every man I meet is in some way my superior and in that I can learn from them, right? Like it's the, how you learn from everybody around you. And there's always that like little nugget that happens. Now you've been, you've been using content at a pretty high level. You've had a podcast ongoing. You have this Facebook group. Can you kind of talk about how you're, you're hosting those Zoom calls? Can you, can you give me a little bit about how content and and being able to put yourself on different platforms like that scales your ability to create relationships. Dude, let's talk about AMPM podcast. Um, crazy story. Uh, and I tell the story in episode 195 where I took it over, but before I had ever done any public content, I was nuts, man. I was doing some crazy stuff in business. I had, I already had a business in China, several in the US, Africa, and I started a business in Guatemala. And the purpose of that was to source products ethically for U.S. brands. So uh, textiles, leathers, woods, ceramics, and um, cotton, like organic cotton. And I remember I was in this Facebook, and nobody had ever heard of me. No one had ever seen me. I had a few clients picking up, and I was I was doing that thing like sliding into people's DMs and Facebook groups you're not supposed to do. You know, someone would ask for like a freight forwarding company. I'd be like, oh, I own a freight forwarding company. And so anyway, some guy mentioned on there, uh, 
hey, I'm looking for someone to help me source something in Mexico, actually, uh, a woven product in Mexico. Does anybody have a contact? So I DM this guy and I said, well, not Mexico, but Guatemala. And we got talking and his guy's name is Manny Coates. All right. For those of you that know anything about e-commerce space, Manny Coates is one of the biggest influencers in space. He uh, was the founder, the original founder of Helium 10, which is a SaaS software company, which is by far the biggest in Amazon space. And it's, it's going crazy right now. And he actually just exited that company. We talked about it on episode 195 AMPM podcast, but I didn't know who he was. And we got to talking about what I was doing in Central America. And he said, Hey man, why don't you come on my podcast? I'm like, well, I've never been on a podcast. He said, well, it's called the AMPM podcast. We have a few listeners at the time. It was like tens of thousands a month, actually. And I got this podcast. I remember like it was cheesy. I'd never been on a podcast before. And they sent me a PDF. They're like, you got to have a podcast microphone. I was crap. So I go on Amazon, I buy this $30 podcast microphone, which is actually right here. It's, I, I kept it like it's historical, you know, and we got this awesome. podcast and it blew up my business. This is like the end of 2016, 2017, blew things up. And I was getting all these crazy, this crazy stuff. And all I did is provided value. This is what I do. This is my secret sauce. This is the way I think about life, like sharing all my secrets. And I had people close to me like, dude, you shouldn't have shared that in that giant podcast. I'm like, screw it. So anyways, uh, later on the next year, we're at a big event, ASD and Prosper, a huge conference trade show in Vegas. And I'm like, I got to make a big splash. I'm trying to get my shipping company off the ground. And I messaged this dude. Hey, I don't know if you remember me, Tim Jordan, uh, Manny, I'd love, you know, like I'm trying to throw a party. I'd love for you to roll through and check things out. He's like, dude, of course I remember you. He said, you don't know this, but your appearance in November on the podcast was like the most watched episode of all year. So even the episodes that were launched in January didn't get as many views as mine in November. He said, sure, let me do that. I was like, holy crap, man, he coaches coming. Like this guy's a celebrity. He's going to bring like his girlfriend and his entourage. And what do I do? So I went nuts and I hosted a party at Omnia, which is like the most ridiculous and expensive nightclub probably in the US. All right. It's in Vegas, Omnia, Caesar's Palace. I was like, we got to get a big table. And the, the, um, the guy ended up talking to me was like, well, the minimum for the table is like $8,000 plus tax gratuities. Like you better be ready to spend 15 grand for four hours. And I was like, I'm crazy. Sure. I got an Amex. I don't have 15 <laughs> grand cash, but I got an Amex. Yeah. Cha-ching. We yeah. So he shows up. I invited some friends and some people and Manny shows up and this other guy uh, invites this guy, Kevin King, who at first I thought was like the bus boy or something, you know, he wasn't dressed or thing. Kevin King ends up being like this huge influencer and this awesome dude, a really close friend of mine now. And like, we partied that night, right? It was crazy, excessive. I spent way too much money. Um, and that like solidified this relationship with me for Manny. But Manny would have never even come to this party because he's getting 100 invites a night. But the reason he did was I provided so much value to his podcast, to his audience, that he was like, hey, this like Tim's a cool dude. You're like, I'll roll into his party. So fast forward a few years, we've done a lot of stuff together. Um, I've worked as a consultant for his business, Helium 10. I did a case study. If you guys want to see like how to get started on Amazon picking a product, go to uh, YouTube and look up Helium 10 Project X. It's a case study that's completely free. We spent like six months shooting this thing. Like I was flying out to LA to film this thing with them. They, they foot the bill for it. And it's literally like a case by case or a, a, a step-by-step over the shoulder walkthrough of how we find products launch them. They're still selling very profitably on Amazon. Like we, we took the cover off. It's amazing. Project X, Helium 10, YouTube. And that relationship started because I provided value because I, I poured my heart out, you know, told them all my secret sauce and how I find products. And, and he got so much reaction. And three, four years, however long it was down the road, I get this call like six months ago and like, Hey Tim, 
uh, project or uh, AMPM podcast. I was like, yeah, dude, that put me on the map. Like I met a guy last year in Australia who didn't even remember my name, but we got talking about stuff. He's like, man, what you're talking about and how to find products on Amazon, this sounds exactly like this crazy podcast I heard years ago. I was like, really? Some other idiots saying the same things I do? He's like, yeah, let me find it. Pulls up his phone. He's going through his iTunes and he hits play and my voice pops up and he was like, I can't do an Australian accent. He's like, crikey, it's you. And I'm like, holy crap, it's me. So that one podcast that had years ago, people from around the world are still listening to, by the way. And because we had all this, this, this content created, started these relationships and now he like now that he's exited the company, he's supposed to take over. He's like Tim, we want you to host the AMPM podcast. So this week uh, the episodes dropped. It's official. It's been all over social media. I had like 350 Facebook notifications this morning, like oh, people man. that are like commenting, sharing, like holy crap, Tim, They're like this is amazing. And it's all because I messaged a stranger on Facebook and provided as much content as I humanly could. And now I'm hosting. It'll it it, it ought to be in the top 30 business podcasts. You know, once we get relaunched in the U.S. And uh, at least top three in e-commerce, and it's going to get fifty thousand views a month. And I don't even have to do anything but host it. Like their entire team runs it. So just because I provided content and provided value, it's crazy. That's incredible, man. That's really that's a that's a perfect perfect story. Um, okay, you ready for the lightning round? Pow, 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 pow. <laughs> All right, I guess <laughs> I don't know what that means, but let's go. Just just quick answers, right? What's your favorite restaurant in your favorite city, and what dish do you order? Oh man, that's so tough. Um, I don't even know the name of the restaurant, but it's in Sevilla, Spain. I've been oh there once God. and it yeah. was seafood paella. It is the most magical thing I've ever eaten in my life. And at that same restaurant, you can get jamón ibérico, Iberian ham, which you can't even get in the States. It's, it's illegal to import it. Yeah. Seafood paella, jamón ibérico. I love it, bro. I studied abroad in Sevilla, man. I love that place. Oh, and dude. You and know I lived in up. Spain as a kid. Like I love, dude, that, I love that, Spain. that Iberian ham. Like you go into these yeah. like underground basements, a little yeah. cheese, a little, br- oh, dude, we used over. to have, we used to have a basement at my house with a, a leg of ham hanging there. Hanging. My grandfather so, came to visit and he just spent like two weeks there, came home, triple bypass. <laughs> he just ate oh, so no. much because he ate so, no, he was, he's, he did fine. He lived for 20 more years, but like he ate so much ham. <laughs> so uh, funny story. I smuggled one into the States, a whole nice. ham, an 18 pound ham in my luggage. We wrapped it in saran wrap, peanut butter, newspaper, saran wrap, peanut butter, newspaper <laughs> to mask the scent of the ham because these customs and border patrol dogs sniff for like produce and fruits and vegetables coming to the airport. And I freaking got that ham in but the TSA agents cut it open because they're doing the x-ray on my luggage and they see this bone. Like it's a whole pig leg with the hoof and everything. And uh, they cut it open, checked on it. They still let me have it. So I smuggled in an entire Iberian ham. Beast. Cool. Well, that's that's a more comfortable way to smuggle it than the first the <laughs> yes. first thing I thought when you first said it. <laughs> Hard to keister a 15-pound ham, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hard to keister. <laughs> Tim, what is something that you were sure about in your 20s that you have found out is not true? <laughs> that I can't be the executive of a successful fintech company. Like, I really thought that I would be happy, but I'd be destined to a blue-collar life all my, all my job, or job all my life. You know, I was working as a firefighter paramedic, and my, my first big side business was a construction company. So, yeah, I was a business owner. I had 20 employees. I wasn't really making any money, but it was still like work. It was hard work. It was labor. It was dependent on local economy. Like I never in a million years would have thought like, holy crap, I am literally like 
a C-level employee of this finance company of all things. I suck at finances. Um, this tech, tech-based company, like never in a million years. So, I, you know, I realize that like there are no limits to what people can do if they just get out of their own way. I love it, dude. That sounds really sexy, by the way. C-level executive <laughs> of a fintech company, man. It's like, woo! Good thing you're married already. Jeez. <laughs> what is um? What is there? What kind of content are you really into right now? This could be a podcast that you're into, a book that you recently read, a show that you're really watching. Saltwater fishing. Okay. I love so. Listen, the, and this is crazy. This might change in two weeks. The past three weeks, I can't get enough watching YouTube videos of how people are doing in source, inshore saltwater fishing, like reef fishing. Like I'm going down to uh, the Gulf Coast, ooh, Gulf Coast in a week and a half. I just bought a new bay boat, and like I cannot wait to be rigging up for like you know slot reds and you know sea trout. Like that's all I'm watching for content. I know you wanted a business answer. I'm sorry. It's all about fishing right now. I'm I'm into it, bro. I'm into it. All right. So this this one is more of a business thing. What's the best, either either the best piece of advice you've ever gotten or your favorite piece of advice to give to people? Whew. Um, I don't know. That's tough. I think that, I think that entrepreneurship is important, whether you're working for a large company, a small company yourself, like entrepreneurship doesn't just mean small business. Entrepreneurship means breaking the boundaries and pushing forward, right? And the best piece of advice that, that I've heard recently is that entrepreneurship and and even owning a business, running a business, being the executive business, like it's not easy. And so many people make it seem easy. You know, start your own business. You can work the four hour work week. Guys, that's horse crap. It doesn't work like to have a successful business, but it's worth it. So, so the quote that I've recently seen is entrepreneurs trade a 40 hour work week working for somebody else with a hundred hour work week for themselves. Right. So it's not easy. Like I'm tired of these digital marketing guys, like, you know, buy my course and, you know, buy a Lambo. That's all horse crap, but it's worth it. It's a lot of hard work, but, but whether you're working for a big company, small company, yourself, someone else, like get that entrepreneurial fire, take that entrepreneurial journey because it absolutely is worth it in the end. Love it, dude. Yeah. You, you've described my life, right? Like I, I'm just like, what's a weekend, right? <laughs> like, exactly. But, but I love it, man. I love what I'm doing. So it's just like the stuff that I'm doing for work is also stuff that I would want to be doing anyways. Right. So it's great. Yep. Um, I'm going to, before I ask you the last question, you know, I'm going to link to you on Facebook, to your group, the private label Legion, private label Legion.com. But I want to give you an opportunity to promote or, or call out anything that you want to draw attention to right now in any way. Yeah, that's it, man. I, I'm not going to give a sales pitch. If you want to follow what we're doing with Amazon selling, e-commerce selling, private, um, private label selling, Shopify, whatever, uh, private label Legion.com. Check out the AMPM podcast. It's, it's pretty exciting. Uh, Manny coach ran it episode one through 194. I took over 195. If you want to hear more about the history, how that got started and the history of the microphone, all that stuff, episode 195. And um, if you, if you want to hear me talk more about like my struggle with anxiety and stuff like that as a business owner, um, episode 196, which just dropped uh, recently, go check it out too. Cool, man. Any, any interesting guests that are coming up on the AMPM podcast? Uh, I heard about <laughs> this guy named Pablo is going to be on it. Uh, that should be dropping pretty soon. So it's a very common it. name could be anybody. It is a common name. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, um, you know, before I ask you the last question, dude, I just really want to acknowledge you, man. I, from the moment I met you, you've been really, really open with me. And from having me on your podcast originally to introducing me to the sellers funding guys to now having me on the AMPM, man, like I, I, I feel like the opportunities that you have afforded me 
have been extraordinary. And I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for our relationship and, and, and for how generous you have been with that. And, um, and I just want to acknowledge you for that, man. You're just such a likable guy that's clearly putting out so much value into the universe. And I want you to know, I really, really appreciate that, buddy. Well, thanks. I think you've oversold it because the pleasure is always mine, but, but, uh, I'm glad I could, uh, glad I could do something for somebody. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and final question, where do you find community? I find community with, (laughs) this is going to sound crazy, but with strangers, like, like I love my inner circle. I love my tight knit community, but like, I just keep reaching for more. Like I can't get enough of it. So I love, um, the random messages from Facebook. I love going to conferences about stuff. I don't even know about with nobody that I know about. Like my community is with like-minded hustling entrepreneurs. That's where I find community. Like I find community in, in education, in ambition and in vulnerability. Like I find it everywhere. I find it absolutely everywhere. I love it, bro. We're, we're twins. I love it, man. I love it, bro. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being on here, man. I really appreciate it. Yep. It's good to be here. I appreciate you, uh, you having me on and um, good luck with everything you're doing too. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did. Listen, Connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency. The bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it, you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that, or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com, watch the five minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place. I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector.